Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Hey, welcome everybody. Okay, here we are, St. Patrick's Day and all the bars in America, or at least most of the states, are closed. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. And all because our topic today the viral panic attack, the CV-19. Now, I'm not not taking it serious. It is a very serious topic. You know, it's just amazing, though, how we tend to overreact to things like this. I mean, if you go through Costco and see all the stuff that's gone, including the toilet paper, I mean, people are probably going to have like a year's supply. And as people go to the store, people are going to wonder if people ever poop anymore because there'll probably be a ton of toilet paper the rest of the year in there. You know, you know, when a health problem like Ebola or coronavirus comes from other countries, we usually have a lot of poor information about it than we do about the health problems in our country. And so many, many of these places have a poor surveillance. Uh, they, you know, they just gather, you know, probably not very scientific information and sometimes they have, you know, authoritarian, uh, authoritarian regimes or dictators who suppress the information. And we have uh, a lot of uncertainty about things that come from those places with that poor information. Yet viruses often do come from those types of maybe even I would call it third world locations, even though some of them, like China, their economy is actually fairly decent. Um you know, but we're also vulnerable to people that have other access to, uh, you know, seizing on a situation and and uh, inflame the xenophobia and the fear of other ethnic groups. So as we as individuals need to be above that and we expect our leaders to calm them and uh, uh, and calm those fears and stand up for people who are being criticized. And so the most useful thing that people can do at this point, is to find some trusted sources of information, especially like the Center for Disease Control and Prevention and the World Health Organization, or some of our major media, and I wouldn't recommend all of them because, quite frankly, they're not very trustworthy, and just stick to them for information. You know, hopefully, uh, the people that you're in contact with are professionals and not just opinion pieces. And they do the best job they can to gather scientifically and the, the information, proving the information and communicating the information. And, and that they uh, that will protect you from irresponsible and, and rumor mongers and people who are using this as an opportunity to sell things and, or to inflame hatred and ethnic hatred. You know, find a few good sources of those information. And if they tell you that the virus is still remote and they give you confidence that our public health officials have the resources and the freedom to deal with this in a professional way, then you can afford to monitor until they tell you something else. And that means those trusted sources. You know, sometimes our leaders, our political leaders do dramatic things. They present themselves as what they view as leaders in a way that they are ineffective. So the research on quarantines is that they're often, you know, pretty ineffective. 
And unless they're accompanied by strong support from people who live there and then their lives have been interrupted by the quarantines, you know, they need a little bit more support. You know, if they're not able to work and make a living paycheck to paycheck, you know, somebody needs to help them to make that and they need to be treated respectfully because a lot of people in this country don't have money in the bank and live paycheck to paycheck and have children have families have responsibilities and there you know there could be an enormous downfall for those people and they could end up on the streets which exacerbates the problem of viruses and disorders and and, and disease and all kinds of things you know if individuals fear that they're not being treated well or countries feel they're not being treated well, you, people get around, uh, you know, that get around the vaccine, set a higher threshold for saying, I'm not feeling so well, maybe I'm, I'm going to quarantine ourselves. You know, if they feel like, you know, living in uh, Washington, we tend to be a little bit stronger in our reactions here because in Seattle, the uh, obviously the coronavirus is fairly strong here, but the, it's in pockets of the city. It's not in the entire city. And however, the city has taken a very strong and the state a very strong reaction to try to curb the virus as it peaks and hopefully get the peak sooner than later, which is a very responsible thing to do. But on the other hand, we also have to understand how this affects people. And we also, as people, are responsible for our reactions. No, you know, there's also a risk that if we rely on quarantines, that we'll have the opportunity, uh, the cost of not doing other things that are more effective. And so, you know, kind of it feels like, is this going to take care of the problem? But, you know, in the last two to three years, there have been substantial cutbacks in the U.S. capability for uh, surveillance of pandemics. You know, the global health was demoted and its importance in the National Security uh, Council was demoted. So if we're relying on quarantines and not providing our public health officials with resources and autonomy that they need, we may be able to uh, be uh, creating problems down the road. You know, and, and from a psychological perspective, the people who study panic, which is usually so, uh, sociologists rather than psychologists, they, they find actual panics are rare, but you see them more in movies than you actually see them in real life. And under crisis situations, actually, people typically rally around each other and they support each other and they act bravely. And you can disrupt that if you deprive people of the opportunity to act in a coordinated way. So if there's no trusted sources for information, then you get more or less uh, coordinated information. And and the tragedy in that is, is that the people in Wuhan are, are experiencing is a result is a political regime that, that didn't allow public health people to do their work. And then the problem got out of control. And then these measures, these horrible uh, measures were either implemented or taken out and now they're exacerbated all over the world. You know, that kind of stress is, is there'd be people who have related traumas in their lives that relate to this stressful event. And so those events where stuff like this has happened, where their life is out of control, they're, they're, they have limited amount of freedom is very stressful and it correlates to the other stressful events that are uh, similar in nature to what they're experiencing now. And so they're more vulnerable to any stressful event and uh, and it's very systematic person-to-person uh, -person how this goes. You know, if one is triggered and the other is communicating with somebody else that's been triggered, all of a sudden this situation becomes that stressful event. Now, I know that's kind of deep, 
but that's kind of how the human mind works. You know, um, panic, you know, if, if it were rare among the general public, it, it's almost non-existent among public health officials. They're more idealistic. They're, if you watch them on television and hear them on the radio, they're, they're brave, they're tough, they're hardworking. And, and I think they're under a lot of pressure to deal with this, and, and they have very few resources, which, again, have been cut back over the recent period. But, you know, w- what would be nice is a very scientific approach to communication. A scientific approach to communication b- would be start analyzing the decisions that people face. And I'm talking about the implementation of how people should react and protect themselves from the virus. I'm not talking about the scientific remedy to the virus. And, and, and it'd be nice if the decisions of, of people finding out what information is most critical, finding out what they currently believe, drafting messages based on what we already know and how to communicate different things and how to take measures in a, in a safe, in a good way that is not so pervasive that it knocks people out of work or keeps people in a situation where they're uh, under enormous financial stress. You know, um, I don't personally have a sense that they're very well-intended uh, messages at places like, uh, yeah, you know, other places than uh, the, the CDC, which has a good rigorous process. Um, you know, face masks will help if you're sick with the cold or the flu, and you can help protect other people. But if you're worried about protecting yourself and you're not a health official, you probably don't need to worry about it. You know, uh, let's say there's a flu and they'll, they, the masks would be useful if you diligently put it on and take it off, you know, but um, it's usually the face masks are more helpful in uh, health and human services types of environments uh, rather than out in the general public. But once again, trusted sources, that's the big deal. Trusted sources that will assist you to be able to make good decisions, that is the priority here. And if you can make that a priority, that will help you enormously. And once again, the CDC is a very good place to go, which actually the CDC is a place in which people went uh, uh, for the China uh, in China. And when they work with this virus, they worked off a model of the CDC that the uh, United States assisted in the 80s to help them create. So, you know, let's look at the news reports about COVID-19. You know, they're becoming uh, more widespread. They're making some people anxious. So there's some tips, you know, as we all sit here at the mercy of the virus, you know, keep things in perspective. Take a deep breath and remind yourself that most people who contract COVID-19 will only experience mild symptoms. And so work is being done to help people who may be more vulnerable, like the elderly, to coronavirus, such as, you know, old people, uh, senior citizens, with and, and usually the people that really have a problem are ones that have an actual health condition uh, already, a pre-existing like a heart disease or a lung disease or something, diabetes, other things like that, because their, their, their uh, white blood cell count is being used to fight those disorders. And unfortunately, if they have a lot of disorders, they're highly vulnerable to this virus because they don't have enough white blood cell counts to fight it. And so, um, you know, work is being done to help those people who are more vulnerable. And the fact that coverage is increasing on the issue does not necessarily mean that it presents an increased threat to you and your family. Just because it's on the news everywhere you go 
and and governors are making enormous uh, judgments and statements and decisions uh, that affect everybody's life. You know, it's important for you personally, because there's so many sources, to get the facts. And it's helpful to adopt more analytical approach as you follow the news reports about the coronavirus. And, and you also want to verify information that you receive from family, friends, and social media, because people gossip and they're crazy. People want attention. There's a lot of people that just use things like this to get attention. But there is a dedicated web page on the, the Center for Disease Control. Go there. It's reputable. It's good information. And, and uh, you know, it's better than what the states have. And the other thing is, and we're going to talk about this because it's important. This is affecting our children's lives. Many of them can't even go to school. You want to communicate, and it's probably likely they won't be going to school anytime soon this year, maybe in August as the next year picks up, next school year picks up. You know, you want to communicate with your children, discuss the news coverage of the coronavirus with honest and age-appropriate information. And so parents can also help, uh, you know, get rid of the stress by focusing children on routines, schedules, and also trying to continue their education. And you also have to remember that children will observe your behaviors, your emotions, your cues on how to manage their own feelings during the time, this time. And you may want to limit how much media they consume to help keep their anxiety in check. The other thing is to keep connected, maintain your social networks and, and, and foster a sense of normality and a sense of humor, a sense of joy, a sense of faith, a sense of wonder that know that life, we all go through things in life. We all go through difficult things. Um, we went through the North Korean threat. We've gone through Iran, Iraq. We've gone through all these wars, all the the, the, the terrorism and all kinds of great things, horrible things that are gigantic in our lives. But this is just another problem. And so keep it in the context of what it is. But it is important to share your feeling. You know, without him risking your, your risk of getting the virus, talk on the phone, text, chat with people on social media. Feel free to share information you find on what government websites that help um, debunk your friends and family when they kind of get off track and subject themselves and you and the rest of the world to their own insecurities and anxieties. The other thing is it's never a bad idea to seek professional help. It's interesting um, I'm converted my practice to telemedicine this week, and it's been very effective. And it's interesting that as we learn that we can actually work from home, maybe some of these corporations will stop building skyscrapers and actually let people work from home effectively and use the tools that have been created to help manage people that work from home and their productivity and actually take that real estate and do something better with it than just sticking people in a building for eight hours a day. You know, if, if you need help, if you have, uh, you know, you're triggered by this kind of event as some kind of, you know, taking you back to a time when you were imprisoned or with, when you were quarantined or you have a sense of anxiety or nervousness or sadness or prolonged reactions that affect your job performance or even interpersonal relationships that are being uh, affected by this. And by the way, being stuck in a home with uh, your kids and your, your spouse uh all 24-7 can be a rather difficult thing to process. Um, so, you know, you want to consult with somebody that's outside the problem and experienced in mental health where they can assist you and give you tools to, to help you get through things. You know, um, 
any kind of therapist or psychologist can help you deal with extreme stress. Uh, stress. And, the, and the professionals work with people to help them find ways to manage the, the adversity. But also, you know, this, this is important, talking to children. Concern over the virus can make children and families very anxious. While we don't know where to and what extent the disease may spread in the United States, we do know that it's contagious and that the severity of illness can vary from individual to individual and that there are steps we can take to prevent the spread of infection. Keeping a level head is very important. Once again, children are going to react in the way that you react. So acknowledge the level of concern without panic. And that's appropriate. And, and, then re- and, and it also results in taking actions that reduce the risk of illness. Helping children cope with anxiety requires providing accurate prevention information and facts without causing a lot of alarm. So this is what we do in these kind of situations. And this is how we work with it. And we have the best medicine that has ever been created in all of the history of mankind. We could have never been in a better time and place than now to have something like this experience in our life. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk more about how to talk to children about these times that we're in, about these pandemics that they're likely to experience in their life and they, in turn, will have to talk about it to their children. Come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the viral panic attack COVID-19. Currently, I'm here in Seattle in prison in my office and my home with my five-year-old and my wife. (laughs) I got to tell you, it's a trip, but we did get our toilet paper at Costco. (laughs) So quite proud of that. But that was like a a golden moment in our life that, woohoo, we're going to make it. (laughs) So anyway, you know, it's very important to remember that children look to adults for guidance on how to react to stressful events. You know, if parents seem overly worried, children's anxiety rises And so people need to reassure their children that health and school officials are working hard, that they're going to ensure that people are are safe and healthy. And and children need to be factual, age-appropriate. They need to have that kind of information, age-appropriate and factual about the potential seriousness of disease. And and then they need really good instructions on how to avoid infections and the spread of disease, you know. Teaching them how to clean their hands, how to clean their butts, how to clean their bodies, you know, to, you know how, to, how to wipe surfaces down, especially flat surfaces are a really good place to pick this thing up, you know, give them also places where people touch, touch, touch all the time. Give them a sense of control of the risk infections that helps them reduce their anxiety. You know, it's very important for children to react to and follow your verbal and nonverbal reactions. And so what you say and do about COVID-19 prevention efforts and related events can either increase or decrease their anxiety. And, And if true, emphasize to your children that they and your family are fine. And you remind them that you, the adults, are their school and and that you're keeping them safe and healthy and and let them talk about their feelings and help reframe their concerns about the appropriate perspective and make yourself available. You know, children usually need extra attention from you and may want to talk about their concerns, about their fears, about their questions. And it's, you know, here, if you're quarantined and you're stuck in your house, and, and there's no businesses you can go to. There's no bar where you can go, you know. Um, bottom line is this is a good time to, to restore or begin to have a kind of family communication that you've never had before. And keeping in tune with each other, you may learn that that is a very valuable thing that you may have lost due to your commitment to work. And so give them plenty of love and tell them you love them. You know, when tensions are high – You know, we tend to blame somebody, so it's important to avoid stereotyping any group as responsible for the virus, especially, you know, we are in a global economy. Let's take accountability. It's it's not what happens, but it's how we react to it is that's important. The world is full of things that we make vulnerable. We make our lives vulnerable in different countries, treat the environment in different ways, treat health in different ways, and we should expect that there's going to be a side effect from that. You know, um, 
It's important to, to you know, uh, if we bullying or have negative comments made towards other people, that needs to be stopped. And also be aware of any comments that other adults are having around your family. And you may be able to explain those comments, what they really mean, or maybe that someone doesn't have all the information that they, they need. You know, it's, it's also important to monitor television, social media, but limit it. And, um, you know... Tell them some stories about the COVID-19, about how people got better, uh, you know, uh, and tell them factual information that helps reduce the anxiety. Uh, but, you know, constantly watching the updates uh, really is going to increase a family's anxiety, especially children, if you're just sitting in front of the television watching it 24 by 7. So it's better to maintain a normal uh, routine to the to the extent possible, keep a regular schedule schedule, you know, this can be reassuring and it promotes physical health, especially encourage your children to keep up with their schoolwork, be a part of that. And hopefully you can get that from the school. If you not, if you can't, then there's places on the internet where you can get homeschool information for free right now because of the coronavirus. Take advantage of that and try to assist your kid along. And maybe that will often teach you something, you know, and, and it's very important to just be humble, be honest, and accurate. And also be faith-based. You know, have faith. This too will pass. It will pass. We do have immunities in our body. We do have the ability to fight disease. And this isn't always going to be the end-all, be-all. But if we focus on this, we may forget all of the things in our life that are important, especially our passions, our love, our faith, our belief in God. Don't lose that, especially if you can't go to church. Get online. Listen to some great recordings. I listen to personally. I listen to Tim Keller and his site. I love his his ministry. It's incredible. Uh, I also uh, listen to Greg Laurie to get a sense of humor. Um, and I also listen to the Daily Audio Bible um, by uh, Brian. I, I, I can't remember his last name, but he's wonderful. The DAB is what it's called. Okay, so, you know... Um, Think about, you know, the surfaces that you're touching and how many people may be touching it. That's why you want to keep things that, that uh, keep your hands sanitized with you. Also, be very aware um, that disease can be uh, uh, found in people 14 days after exposure, like a fever, a cough, shortness of breath. Some people with the symptoms are, are feel like they're having a cold. For others, they're pretty severe, even life-threatening. So in either case, it's important to check with with your with with a healthcare provider, and and follow instructions about staying home and away from public spaces to prevent the spread of virus. Because once again, if you're exposed, it can even click into you after 14 days and 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 cycle up into your own body, and and uh, you know do good hygiene, wash your hands about you know uh, multiple times a day, but do it for about. 20 seconds. And if you have little kids, maybe seeing twinkle, twinkle, little stars slowly, because that takes about 20 seconds. You know, cover mouths with a tissue when they sneeze or they cough. Throw away the tissue immediately into something that's uh, that you can cover and uh, practice giving, you know, elbow pumps or fist pumps instead of handshakes because fewer germs will be spread. You know, giving children guidance on what they do to prevent infection gives them greater power, greater control. That's what kids want. So you encourage them to eat a balanced diet, get some sleep, exercise, and this will help them develop a strong immune system to fight off the illness. You know, um, 
it's it's also you know it's important to you know talk to people other other parents about what they're doing with their children if you can because they may give you some ideas how you can get through this difficult time and entertain your children um, you know, it's also important to let their questions be your guide as to how much information you provide children. You know, don't avoid giving them information that health experts identify as critical to their health, but be patient. Children and youth don't always talk about their concerns readily, and children and youth hear things that they want to hear rather than things that are reality. So they can change information pretty rapidly and maybe stilt that information and cause you to have to correct them because kids always fundamentally want to feel like they know everything. You know, it's important to keep the explanations age appropriate. You know, if they're early elementary school, they just need brief, simple information. And then if it's upper and middle uh, uh, school children, be more vocal and asking questions. You know, uh, whether they're truly safe or what's going to happen. If they're up on middle school to high school, be able to discuss the issue in more depth in an adult-like fashion and, and, uh, you know, refer them to resources so they can see for themselves. You know, adults at home and school are taking uh, care of your health and safety. So if you have concerns, talk to somebody you trust who's got really good prevention methods going on. But some people are just crazy and do things way, way overboard. This is not a good time for people with obsessive compulsive disorder, especially if they have a cleanliness issue. This is like psychopath time for them. They are ritualizing everything, taking control of everything and using the virus as the excuse to overindulge anybody in their life to follow their rules or else. And so be careful around these obsessive compulsive people and don't be afraid to set boundaries and make your way and say, look, you can do this for yourself, but we don't have to spend our day washing our hands. Um, you know, so, you know, or cleaning the house or cleaning surfaces. If you want to spend your day doing that, go for, for it. But if you're going to force us to operate in that way, too bad, so sad. You know, set those boundaries, be strong and be smart about it because OCD people, this is their time to blossom right now. And guess what? They're doing it all over the world. Um, so it's important that all students uh, treat each other with respect, all kids treat each other with respect, and adults treat uh, their children with respect. Um, avoid, avoid that close contact, stay home when you're sick, cover your cough or your sneeze, do the elbow or hand pump, keep a tissue, avoid touching your eyes and your nose and your mouth and your face. And, uh, you know, if you don't have soap, use a hand sanitizer and you, you want to do uh, clean and disinfect the surfaces that you regularly use, especially in the kitchen, to keep that, um, keep that thing close. You know, uh, it's amazing. Retailers in the U.S. and Canada have started limiting the number of toilet paper packs customers can buy in a trip. And uh, for those of us in Washington, this has been going on for quite some time. <laughs> And, you know, some supermarkets, they're just sold out. I know Costco is like blown out um, and so are the grocery stores. Um, 
you know, uh, some some people have hired security guards for the toilet paper, and so it's pretty amazing. <laughs> and uh, uh, there's even a newspaper in uh, Australia that went so far as to printing eight extra pages in a recent edition as emergency toilet paper. <laughs> so, you know, why toilet paper doesn't offer uh, special protection against the virus? Uh, you know, it's not considered a staple. Uh, of emergencies like milk and bread are so so why why are people buying these rolls more quickly than they can be restocked you know on one hand uh, it's understandable but on the other hand it's kind of excessive you know we can prepare without panicking you know the 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 novel uh, coronavirus scares people because it's new and there's a lot about it that's still unknown and when people hear weird messages about the risk it poses and how seriously they should uh, prepare for it, they, they tend to resort to extreme. So when people are told something dangerous is coming, you know, but all you need to do is wash your hands, the action doesn't seem proportionate to the threats. Special danger needs special precautions. So, you know, some people are just reacting to the lack of clear direction from officials. Some countries have already imposed quarantines. People buying up toilet paper and other household supplies may be preparing for the same thing, probably thinking that the Costco or the grocery store are going to shut down and they're not going to be able to access this stuff. You know, you know, unless people have, have seen official promises that, that everybody will be taken care of, they, they're left to guess what the probability of needing the extra toilet paper is going to be. Um, you know, panic buying creates panic buying. And so images of empty shelves and, and shopping carts piled high with supplies have inundated uh, news reports. I was in uh, Trader Joe's yesterday, and it was just amazing because almost everything gone except for the normal food that lays that, that's packaged. And uh, so what, what is happening is people at the register were talking. One guy was saying, you know, I just came here to get a few things. And he had like a whole cart full of stuff. <laughs> and he was like, but everybody was, everything was gone. And I went into a panic and I just started buying. <laughs> so, you know, that's just how people are. So if they see images of panic buyers, they assume there's a reason to panic and buy up supplies too. And so, uh, you know, images of empty shelves um, uh, piled high with supplies are all over the place, you know. And we being social creatures, you know, we take those clues, those cues as dangerous. And so uh, social media is a huge play, uh, player in the novel coronavirus fear mongering uh, because there's nothing to regulate uh, social media, so it's out there just pounding information left and right of people just kind of reacting without a, a true explanation or understanding of why things are the way they are. You know, it, it's it is natural to want to over prepare. You know, there, there's a lot of people that stock up, uh, and with the CDC and other uh, international health agencies, you know, advising certain populations stay home. You know, avoid contact. You know, it's natural that you'd want to prepare. So, you know, in, in, in engineering some sort of survivalist psychology is what people tend to do, but they don't know how to do it because they haven't really thought about it. You know, but the interesting thing is when we see these empty uh, um, uh, shelves in the grocery stores, it scares us because that's our mean to survival. We don't go and hunt anymore. And so people panic because, you know, they don't know what to replace 
all this, you know, how to replace not being able to go to the grocery store. And, uh, you know, how am I going to replace toilet paper? What am I going to do? People don't have newspapers anymore. I mean, some people do, but most people don't get newspapers. What are they going to do? Wipe their butt on their computer? I mean, it's just not going to happen. You know, uh, you're, you'll be spending money on toilet paper at one point or another. You know, the only extra costs are the hassle of doing it sooner than later. So, you know, contending with long lines and having difficulty finding it uh, may be what most people want to do. You know, as you know, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security advised Americans to keep at least two weeks worth of food, toiletries, medical supplies on hand. And most people don't, but but some people do. And so, you know, stock up two weeks. That's probably the wisest thing. You know, that's the reasonable thing. It also allows us to have a sense of control and that there is an end to this. So people who are stocking up on supplies are thinking about themselves, their family, what they need to do to prepare. They're not thinking about uh, sick people or regular folks who might run out of toilet paper or healthcare workers or hospitals that need this kind of material. You know, it's all due to this wave of anticipatory anxiety. So people become anxious uh, ahead in advance. And they, they don't look at that bigger picture of what are the consequences of stockpiling toilet paper on the impact of other people. You know, people can only act that way out of fear. And, and uh, if, if that gives them a sense of control to buy toilet paper, God bless them. But depending on how people estimate the chances of needing toilet paper, the hassle might be worth it. You know, if it gives them a feeling that they've done everything they could, it might free them to think about other things than the coronavirus, you know? And that that's, that's just an interesting way to look at it. All right, we're going to come back. Then we're going to talk about hoarders and how they deal with this horrible virus. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the viral panic attack, COVID-19. You know, the, the coronavirus is unpredictable. And, you know, it does have a lot of deadly potential. And it really does need to be a concern to just about every person on the planet because uh, it might seem unfathomable that the virus could actually promote maybe, possibly, some positive change in our life. You know, disasters have a weird way of making things better. And uh, once the initial problems contain, so, you know, if you, if you look historically, just, just in our recent history, go back to like 1937, the Hindenburg airship explosion changed the course of aviation history for the better. And in 1986, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant resulted in substantial energy reform all over the globe. And also vast environmental improvements took place from that. And also the 9-11 attacks, God forbid, they're devastating, but they promoted much safer air travel. You know, so how could this coronavirus be helpful you know there's let's just look realistically there's five big reasons why uh, pessimistic media reports about the virus can be transformed into positive benefits for people unlike the media reports or reports that are based on uh, limited information or conjecture you know it's really important to to get research-based evidence from the fields of psychology, education, behavioral economics. You know, uh, if you're trying to look at the, at the economy and thinking, oh my gosh, everything's going to go to hell in a handbasket. Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, behavioral um, economics tell the market that there is hope because they know how people behave in these circumstances. They've monitored that. They plan for that, especially after 1988 or 1980. I can't remember what year that was when the market, no, 2008, when the market fell. That was crazy, but they knew that there was a way out. You know, but you want to evaluate the integrity of information. And here's what we don't hear. And for some reason, the all of our major television stations happen to be influenced very heavily by the Chinese government. But, you know, let, let's, let's look at some very important information about this virus. The percentage of people who are infected and those who die of disease is much lower than what it may appear. You know, uh, if, if you look at the statistics, and I can't, you know, this is, may have been a few days ago, but about 7,000 people have perished as a result of the infection, but 3,213, and this is a few days ago, are from China. And so the incidence of infection in China is, is a lot higher than what could be expected. Uh, and there's a reason, because there's a lot of um, uh, horrible things that happen in China that are not necessarily as bad in other countries. For instance, um, pollution's horrible, horrible in China, and it's not regulated very well, if it's regulated at all. And, and smoking 
is a big thing in the Chinese culture. People smoke over there. And so their lungs are already blackened with the tar and the nicotine in cigarettes. Now, I'm not saying all of them. I'm just saying it's a, it's a culturally pervasive uh, thing in China, unfortunately, that they smoke. And then they're in this coronavirus environment where their lungs are not in the potential to be able to fight this type of thing. You know, and when we put those things together, there's a natural tendency for higher mortality. And, and then there's this inflated global mortality rate, despite the radically different environmental conditions and also the statistics. You know, it, it, it's obvious that countries with better air quality and lower frequency of smoking are going to have considerably lower death rates. However, sometimes the weather does affect because here in Seattle, we have very clear air. We'd have good air, not great, but we have good air. And um, but there are a lot of people that smoke here. And uh, so it's unfortunate because we have a mixture of people from all over the world. And so smoking is a fairly common thing in this culture here. Also, um, you want to reject the principle of scarcity. You know, have you or someone, you know, gone shopping and bought a whole lot of water, a whole lot of toilet paper, a whole lot of sanitizer, disinfecting wipes, despite having these supplies already. Uh, you know, it's just amazing when people believe that resources are limited, that we want more and more and more and more. But when it, when is enough enough? You know, these scarcity perceptions often lead to an emotional call to action designed to secure the dwindling resources and eliminate other people from having them just because of psychological fear. And so, you know, we have a, a fear of missing out. And, and when the perception of scarcity exists, we're, we're, we become motivated to try to contain our emotional psychological reaction. And then hysteria with the virus coming out has uh, brought the scarcity principle to the forefront of our thinking. And so the knowledge of the phenomenon is in our conscious and not our unconscious thoughts. And, and now we're communicating about it to each other so that it reinforces and it reinforces and it reinforces it. So, you know, um, this sense of having to protect ourselves is great. You know, we have that as an instinctual reptilian uh, uh, reaction to life. However, Going crazy means that your life's out of control, and what that does is exacerbates anxiety and depression. And that's what we're trying to prevent here in this show today. You know, a 14-day quarantine should not be looked upon as a prison sentence, but the time to renew positive relationships, patch up strained relationships, you know, overcoming uh, uh, something like coronavirus together can really empower people. And, and now is the time to strengthen bonds that may be taken for granted during more uh, prosperous and busy times. Instead of ruminating on the inconvenience and the impact of the distancing, take some time to reflect on what you value the most, what your passions are, what is, what is your soul wanting to do with your life? What are you talented at that people need? What are you denying yourself that you shouldn't be? You know, where are your spiritual beliefs? Maybe get get with God for once in your life. Maybe maybe take some time to listen to people who are in tune with God and can help you with that. But it's most important to live for the present and set and reach goals that are usually uh, stopped by the lack of time. 
So one thing we know for certain is that based on the social distancing uh, from the Center for Disease Control and the massive cancellations of sports, which is depressing, politics, we need to fill our leisure time in other ways. So think of projects you've put off, all the books that you haven't had time to read, all the things in your to-do list, all your rusty old uh, you know, uh, stationary bike that's sitting there, your, 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 your elliptical that you bought two years ago and never stepped on. You know, Get your to-do list out and start developing yourself. Develop you. This is a good time for that. Take on a project that you put aside a long time ago or finish something that you started and never never finished. You know, one factor that's positively correlated with happiness is generating wisdom. And when we take measurable steps towards enhancing our skills, we feel better about ourselves and we offer more to other people. So with the availability and the ease of access to Google and online courses, instructions, we have some idle time. Just, you know, you might emerge from this coronavirus more smarter and more happier. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be great? You know, these hoarders, it's amazing. Pandemic is a scary word, but intense, uh, this, this coronavirus also means as uh, uh, is, is pervasive as the virus itself. Hoarders are going to hoard during this time. They are not going to let their stuff go. You know, coronavirus gives them an excuse to settle into their piles and lay there on their piles of stuff and in their dirty kitchens and all kinds of stuff. But actually, this should be the time they clean that crap up because that's what's going to make them sick or vulnerable to be sick. You know, there's there's about 100 countries where this virus is with a whole lot of levels of disruption to daily life. But hoarders living in the dirty, nasty environment they live in with old, trashy stuff stuff and stuff they never get rid of, even French fries from McDonald's from five years ago, that kind of stuff makes people sick and will make you vulnerable. If you don't want to be vulnerable, don't live in an environment like that. Let yourself, let people know what you're living in. Let someone know so they can help you and then begin a process of cleaning out your house and not making yourself vulnerable and God forbid you may become a healthy person. You know, because your environment truly affects your health. And, and um, you know, and, and, and the response to the virus goes beyond uh, uh, panic buying and hoarding. But people with seasonal allergies become targets of, 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 of sneeze shaming. And that's the other thing. Every time someone sneezes, people are freaking out. And they look at them with a the, the scared cow look. You know, especially if it's on an airplane or something like that. But, you know, I'm sorry. A lot of people have allergies and it's not the coronavirus, you know. And so if you have allergies, you may want to wear a, a mask to watch yourself, you know, before you sneeze because people may freak out and think that you're the reason why they're going to die. And then that causes more hysteria, more xenophobia, more conspiracy theories, uh, more stockpiling. And so, you know, <laughs> how do you define fear? You know, it, it's amazing. Fear is an emotional, behavioral, psychological coping reaction to perceived threats. But here's the solution. When fear enters, faith leaves. Lay, life is a faith-based venture. You take chances. You don't control the outcomes. You know, if you're going to choose to get married, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. If you choose to have children, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. It's all leaps of faith. If you take a job, you don't know what it's going to be like. So it's leaps of faith, and we take lots of leaps of faith. So when faith enters, 
fear leaves because now we're in a will or won't proposition and not a try. Try is what people with fear uh, operate by. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. That means there's always a back door. And people like that because it gives them a sense of control. Well, I'm sorry. It's better to live life decisively than with a back door. Because if you live with a back door, I can guarantee that you're always going to settle for mediocrity. And so people that don't complete things, just try. People that complete things define an emotion and they use that emotion. If it's going to be fear, it's fine. Use the emotion, but complete based on that emotion. Very important to follow through. You know, um, when we succumb to fear, we, we, we have basically this rational mind. You know, no, I need, don't need to buy another toy, piece, of, uh, a roll of toilet paper. But then we also have this primitive, you know, uh, reptilian brain. Well, I better be safe than sorry. And so herd instinct can also kick in where uh, people uh, suspend judgment and start doing what everyone else is doing. So everyone else's panic buying supplies uh, follow the herd. And hoarders, when they see people doing this, oh, oh boy, this is when their entire home fills up with supplies that they often don't need. Why are new threats like the coronavirus more uh, anxiety provoking than familiar threats? You know, with novel threats where they don't have solutions yet, there's uncertainty and they don't have a solution for coronavirus yet. They do have testing going on. They have here in Seattle, they, they're at the government's actually federal government's actually testing a medication on people with coronavirus right now as we speak. You know, but what that's lab testing, by the way, that's where they're studying the results. So what makes coronavirus particularly provoking for some people is that there are a lot of unknowns and it does kill people and it's more severe than influenza or pneumonia and, uh, and then we see all these people wearing masks walking around. So, you know, in the abstract, we know that the illness is generally mild unless you're an old person or frail, but, uh, you know, but now that the COVID-19 has been declared a pandemic, we're seeing images compared to the Spanish flu where people are lined up for hospital beds and stacks of coffins, uh, you know, once the infection becomes more widespread. So, the, you know, the whole message here is let's get a grip. Let's get a grip on ourselves and not go crazy. You know, um, you know, seniors are also being told not to gather in groups to stay home, but we need to also give them alternatives so they don't socially distance themselves in a way that they don't communicate. And that's a very, very important element. And I hope if you have an elder that is quarantined, that you make sure that they have ways to stay in contact with their friends and, and with their family. Okay, that's our show. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You know, you can do that through our webpage on voiceamerica.com, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now remember, SpongeBob's true mission is to spread pandemic all over the world. Now remember also, the best thing about working from home is that pants are optional. <laughs> I have pants on, by the way. And also, with the world's first virtual prom night, Pole dancing will likely be included. And also, it will be interesting to see the before and the after pictures from being quarantined with your children and your spouse at home for two weeks. Thanks for listening.
that's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 